Hi, Tim Roy for Warriors.com. A pleasure to welcome longtime uh, NBA broadcaster, NBA executive, NBA player, uh, Steve Kerr from TNT, CBS, NBA TV, and any place else. Did I leave anything out? <laughs> I think you pretty much got the whole thing. Uh, well, uh, well, you're also a consultant to Tom Tolbert to try to keep him sane, so we have to... Well, I, I prefer it. close personal friend, actually. <laughs> okay. <cool. laughs> uh, first of all... Uh, you know, we're right in the middle of the finals, right? And, and when we're taping this, it's the, the day of game six. And, um, you know, you played for the Spurs. The, to me, at times, this has been San Antonio at its absolute best, where, you know, it, you, they're almost seamless in the, in the way that their offense has the ball moving. Their reads have been right on the money. Their defense, you know, every time LeBron catches the ball at the elbow, you know, if he looks to the paint, there's four guys standing there waiting for him to make a move. I mean, they've just been fantastic in the series. Yeah, I mean, the, the game plan has been spot on, as you would expect with, with Greg Popovich. Um, you know, really kind of trying to force LeBron and Wade into the areas where they're the least comfortable. You know, I mean, they're obviously superstar players, but you know, both LeBron and Wade yeah, at times lose confidence in their jump shot. And it looks like Pop is just saying, you know, we're going to make you shoot those uh, more often than not. And, and as long as they continue to, you know, keep Wade and LeBron out of the paint, I think they're just kind of playing the percentages of those jump shots. And, and uh, you know, that part's been dead on. And then I think offensively, it's been a clinic. This is what the Spurs do. They, they move the ball like crazy. They penetrate, they kick, and they've got shooters and playmakers all over the floor. It's been, it's been really exciting to watch. I would assume, and I could be dead wrong here, but I assume that you must have some empathy uh, with Danny Green and the type of uh, series that he is having. Oh, man. I mean, it's just incredible to watch. I mean, it's it's a, the most amazing shooting performance in finals history, really, when it comes down to it. And I know that's saying a lot, but uh, statistically it shows, you know, nobody's nobody's done what he's done, but it's more than just the numbers. It's just the confidence in his eyes. He's just got that feel, and it's uh, it's great to watch as a as a shooter. You you know you kind of I mean I never had a, had a zone like that, but but you know there are games or you know circumstances where you you get that feeling, and it's just uh, just an amazing phenomenon. Well, you had you had nights and, and and games and I'm sure weeks like that where it's just you know every time you let the ball go, you think it's right in the heart of the heart of the hoop. I've had I've had moments like that and and spans like that, but never in the finals. And that's what makes it so impressive to me is that you know there's so much pressure in the finals, and you know it's very easy to miss a couple and just you know think too much. And he's just in such a zone. I mean, these might as well pre- be preseason games the way he's just firing away at will. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> And of course, he has more threes in the series alone than, than Larry Bird's playoff total, which is amazing in its own right. And of course, you're being moshed. You hit a, a series championship winning shot in in the NBA Finals. I want to, since we're talking shooting here, uh, let me switch it over and, and try to, to uh, get your analysis of Steph Curry because I got to tell you, as a play by play guy, I mean, he gave me about two million highlights in the postseason, and some of them were really hard to describe. Well, he's so unique um, because, you know, you think of the best shooter ever. Um, he's in the conversation. Then you think about 
the best ball handlers that you that you can ever remember. And he's in that conversation too. Very very infrequently do do players end up on both of those lists. But that's what makes Steph so unique. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it, it makes it almost impossible to guard him because you you can always take away a spot up shooter if you really decide to defensively. But you just can't scheme. Uh, for a guy with that kind of skill level, both handling the ball and, and shooting it. And that's why, you know, when he comes off that high screen or he comes off a weak side pin down or something and there's even a sliver of room, it just feels like the ball's going in the hoop every single time. And it, But it's the way he does it that makes it so unique. It's so smooth, so beautiful to watch, so effortless. Um, it was to a point, you know, in the playoffs where, you know, and, I, and I've been spoiled. I, I've done a lot of these games for TNT, and I was doing a lot of Miami games. I love watching LeBron James, but it got to the point where I, I would take watching Steph Curry over anybody else in the league. And uh, that's saying something. There's a lot of great players, a lot of exciting players in the NBA. Steve Kerr from TNT, CBS, NBA TV, my my guess. Uh, what do you think happens in the, in these final two games of the finals, or final game of the finals? Well, you know, if you look at just the pattern, you would expect Miami to respond and bounce back. They've, they've done that uh, throughout the playoffs. Every time they've been threatened and come off a poor performance, they really turn it on. But you know, I didn't think they played poorly in, in game five in San Antonio. I thought, in fact, Wade and LeBron both had big games. The Spurs were just so good and so locked in that there was nothing Miami could do. So, uh, you know, I, I would guess, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say Miami comes back and wins game six, and then, you know, it's sort of a toss-up in game seven. But uh, it, it's it's just so tough to predict. These, these games are always played at such a high level that it usually just comes down to, you know, who, who gets a little momentum, who gets a, a bit of a hot hand, and uh, it's fun to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, it really is, and I think it's great for the league because, and you know, the the ageless misnomer I think about the league is that oh nobody plays defense, but I think you know they're watching two teams that really work hard on the defensive end. The effort's there, and uh, you know when they're scoring, it's just a matter of the offense has been so good. And I think that that's, that's good for the league. I, th- I think sometimes the casual fans don't understand, you know, how many teams really play good defense in the NBA. <laughs> you know, when you hear that. That train when when people say oh, they don't play any defense, the, the only thing I can think of is those people have only watched a game like in early April between you know Charlotte and the Wizards or something where people really aren't playing any defense. <laughs> you know, there there are a handful of those games during the year, most of which are kind of late in the season when nothing's on the line. But you get to the playoffs in particular, the the energy and the effort that's expended defensively is mind-boggling. And the average fan doesn't understand that. Uh, but when you when you sit courtside and you see the effort these guys are giving to fight over screens and, and to box out and make a rotation, and then you realize with all that effort the offense is still winning, it just shows you the skill level and the talent level of, of NBA players. But, you know, to me this series has been basketball at its highest level. And absolutely beautiful to watch. And the effort, the energy, the coaching, the adjustments, it's been, uh, it's been terrific for, for basketball.
Steve, you had a chance. To, obviously, you just you did an NBA draft show for NBA TV, and I'm not asking you to give away anything on that. But <laughs> but but you also uh, you also worked the games during the tournament. Uh, have there been some players that that are coming out this year who have caught your eye? Yeah, you know this is this is not a a, a draft year where anybody's going to go in and and you know change a franchise. But there's a lot of good players in the draft, and you know I did some of the NCAA tournament games. I saw you know Macklemore. And Trey Burke, which you know, it's fun seeing those guys. Uh, it's tough to kind of predict at this stage, you know, who's who's going where because it feels like all the players are kind of bunched in there together. You know, I, I like Oladipo and I like Otto Porter and you know, Nerlens Noel. People kind of assume he's going to be the number one pick, but he's not, you know, a franchise type player. And um, so it's really wide open as to as to, you know, who's going where and when. But, uh, you know, there's always good players in the draft. This this is kind of a good year to be drafting, you know, later in the first round because you might get kind of the same value you would get, you know, earlier in the first um, and, and at a better price. Yeah, no question. I, I think it's, it's a balance to draft. I've been talking to a number of different guys from uh, – who have uh, covered the draft for different websites, different networks, and they all kind of say the same thing, that there there may not be any superstar in this draft, but there could be a bunch of guys who end up playing for teams for a long time, and a bunch of, whether it be role players or good players, uh, there could be some value in this draft in terms of depth, if not star power. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, just looking at, you know, some of the mock drafts, which, uh, you know, if you're a hardcore fan, you you can admit to doing that. I do that sometimes, and you know maybe late first round you're thinking, wow, this is uh, you know a guy like uh, Gorgie Jang for Louisville, um, great shot blocker, better shooter and playmaker than people give him credit for. I think you know he's usually mentioned in the fifteen to twenty range. Well, that's a guy you know maybe he turns into Serge Ibaka. He's he's long and athletic and can really get off the floor. And, um, you know that's an, that's an interesting pick later in the first round, and uh, Kelly Olynyk, a guy from Gonzaga, who is a very skilled player, but you know had people have some question marks about his his athleticism. But you know, seven foot guys who can shoot and pass are pretty interesting, and uh, so if you know you get players like that, big guys especially who can have an impact on the game, um, you get them later in the first round. That's pretty impressive. I'm on the Nate Walters bandwagon. I think the league needs a player from South Dakota State. <laughs> you know, I, I can light it up. He can absolutely <laughs> light it up. And uh, again, you know, a lot of small school players maybe not as recognized, but uh, who knows? Maybe Walters could turn into a, you know, a JJ Redick type type player, Went big, pretty big wing shooter who can can light it up from downtown. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. You mentioned J.J. Redick. Here's a player that I mentioned this on the air when we saw him uh, for Milwaukee this year. When he, he's, a, he's a great, uh, I think, inspiration for guys like Walters because when he got to the league, I didn't think he was all that effective. But he's gotten better year in, year out. He's gotten a little bit better. He's an effective player now. He's gotten great. I love watching uh, uh, Redick. And, and, you know, Danny Green is another guy. We talked about him already, the zone he's been in. But you know, kind of a similar type um, player in terms of a, a pretty big wing shooter, maybe not really highly regarded, uh, but worked his way to the point where he, he can be not only an effective player, but um, you know one that that can can make 
six, seven threes in a finals game. I mean, that's incredible. We're considering where Danny Green was, you know, coming out of the draft at, at North Carolina. So there's there's a chance for guys like that who have the size and the shooting touch to really forge a, a good niche for themselves in the league. When you were in the front office, what was your checklist, and how did you balance, you know, the eyeball test with the numbers, and and uh, and, and you know, what did you, what, how did you go about trying to evaluate a player? It's pretty hard, you know. It really is. You, you, you obviously you rely heavily on your scouts, but you know, we kind of had a checklist that involved, um, you know, physical and mental, you know, things, you know, character and competitiveness, and is he a winner, but also. You know, is he healthy? Can he stand up the rigors of to the rigors of the NBA season? And, and then you know, you look for skills that are going to translate. Um, can he shoot? Uh, can he handle the ball? Can he? You know, what kind of size does he have? Is he going to be able to guard people out on the in, in the NBA game? So there's an awful lot that goes with it, and and um, you know, that's um, that's all the research you do: calling college coaches, you know, calling teammates. You know, that kind of stuff, doing as much background as you can. But in the end, um, you just have to do your best because uh, it's it's not an exact science and a lot of mistakes are going to be made. Eighteen players pulled out of the draft yesterday, Steve. And I would imagine when you're working in a front office, that has to be the hardest thing to try to do, whether whether you're releasing a player or telling a player going into the draft that he may not be, you know, of NBA quality. That's got to be hard to do. Well, you know, usually those decisions aren't made by executives. They're made by the agent. And the the best thing you can do for a, a, a young player is be honest with his agent. So, you know, if uh, if an agent calls and says, hey, what do you think of so-and-so, and, and you really don't believe that he can make the NBA, then, then you got to say that because the kid will be better off, you know, going back to school and getting his degree and maybe getting better to the point where, you know, he will be ready a year from then. But, um you know, there's a there's a lot of emotion involved for a lot of different people, um, family members and 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 the players themselves, and you just kind of try to manage it the best you can. Hey, before I let you go, uh, what kind of summer do you think this will be for the league? A lot of uh, you know uh, uh, deals are rumored out there. I mean, you know, Doc Rivers on the trading block. Who knew? You know, I mean, uh... <laughs> isn't that bizarre? <laughs> Somewhere Charlie Finley is in his grave going, yeah, see, I told you, you're yeah. trade manager. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, I think it's going to be a very exciting summer because of the uh, the big-name free agents. I mean, Dwight Howard and Chris Paul, uh, that that can shake up the league if those guys decide to leave. Now, if they just stay and re-sign with their teams, it, it keeps things uh, you know, a lot simpler and, and uh, a lot quieter. But if there are sign-and-trade uh, scenarios involved with those two guys. Uh, a lot, lot that could, a lot of interesting shakeups that could happen around the NBA. And your thoughts on the Warriors? What did you, what did you see this year of the Warriors, and were you surprised at how deep they ran in the playoffs? I was surprised that they went that far. I, I really thought they were a playoff team at the beginning of the season. I loved their, their roster. Loved the balance. Um, Positionally, love the shooting, uh, but I didn't expect them to win uh, against Denver. I think the Gallinari injury absolutely helped, um, but I think they really grew. I think uh, you know, and the the fight they gave San Antonio was really impressive. And I think the Warriors had an amazing season. 
and they've got a bright future with all that young talent. And um, I just feel like you know it's kind of a new era for the Warriors. A lot of great people in management and their staff, and and it's um, it's a it's a good time to be a Warriors fan. That's for sure. You know, at the end of the year, and I'll leave you with this: uh, we, the Warriors were in Phoenix to wrap up their season series with the Suns, and the Arizona Republic had a big big article on the uh, I think the uh, Arizona Final Four team, and and they had a picture which I tweeted out by the way. Uh, <laughs> of you being helped by Tom Tolbert for a dunk in, in some sort of a warm-up. I and, remember and, that well. And, and Tom said fi- that. It was a Final Four practice. All the guys were putting on a, a dunk show. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I've always been unable to take part in events such as that one. And so my <laughs> teammates, and Tom in particular, were nice enough to lift me up and allow me my moment in the sun. Well, it was. Uh, it, t- Tom said it was about the only assist he ever got in college. So uh. <laughs> we all we called him Denny's. That was his nickname in college. He was known as Denny's because he was always open. That was oh. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I am so going to use that. I am so going to use that next year. That's <laughs> yeah, all yours. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's always a pleasure. We 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 totally appreciate your time and i know our fans do too and and uh, you're you do a great job for the league and and um, if you get back into the front office i wish you nothing but uh, success there but we love having you as a as a commentator because you you translate the nba game very well well thanks tim appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you soon my thanks to steve kerr of tnt cbs and make sure you check him out on nba tv with their pre-draft show i tim roy our coverage nba playoffs and the 2013 nba draft won't get any better than right here at warriors.com